0: Hi, and welcome back to Kessel Run Relay, a Star Wars podcast. Our episodes drop at the beginning of each week, and you can follow us on social media. Our links will be in the description. This week, we'll be discussing the third and fourth episodes of The Mandalorian Season 3. But before we get into that, hi, my name is Hayden. I use she, her pronouns. You can find me on social media on TikTok at Tyka.ytd, on Twitter and Instagram at MCUYTD. And my brainworm of the week is Chewie carrying Han like the fucked up dog he is. So how that came about was I was reading classic Star Wars. I finished it last night. I was reading classic Star Wars. and I think in issue 17 or 18, Chewie just like picks up Han, grabs him, and then like runs away, which made me giggle quite a lot. So, yes, in summation, Chewie needs to treat Han more like the fucked up dog he is. Uh, Emily, why don't you go next?
1: Oh, uh, hi, I'm Emily. Pronouns are she, her. You can follow me on TikTok at StardustM and on Twitter and Instagram at underscore stardustm. Uh, I guess my brain worm of the last 12 hours is... Eddie Roundtree solo Star Wars story fan. Um, <laughs> if if there's one person who would appreciate an underrated Star Wars movie, it's that man. <laughs> uh, and that makes sense to always get like three people listening, but <laughs> <laughs> Give me your thoughts, Claire. I'm on Ari. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Live. Oh,
0: she's, a she's at a ham dimension. Hi, I'm
1: Liv. I, oh, I'm here. Hi. You, like, you glitched. Okay, go. Go. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Liv. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, you can find me everywhere at Olivia And uh, My brain worm of the week is not Star Wars. It <laughs> is Miss Taylor Swift. Performing <laughs> for over three hours straight and more specifically the choreography for Vigilante-ship <laughs> because I wish I was a chair.
2: <laughs> and that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> um. Anyway, What happened in the past two weeks
2: since we have convened? I don't even know. I'm not conscious anymore.
1: Real. Real. Georgia started a campaign to get the the High Republic meetup moved. (laughs) moved She is harassing Lucasfilm employees, as she should. Um, I don't know what you guys are talking about because as far as I know, the meetup isn't happening on Saturday at 3 p.m. The it's only hap- thing happening at Saturday at 3pm is the solo panel. <laughs> That's so the true. only thing happening at Celebration. You There's can't nothing even... The entire con is going to close down for that hour. Yeah. Just so you guys know. Just a silly <laughs> goofy fact.
0: <laughs> um, what has happened in the few weeks? I mean, I finished my cosplays for Celebration. I think that cause that calls for celebration uh, uh, i did a couple of cosplay tests yesterday along with a couple of hair tests and everything works out good <laughs> and my cosplays are slaying cosplay more like cause slay <laughs> anyway um, i no. will be cosplaying <laughs> i will be cosplaying a man for all four days so sorry to all the women out there
1: none of us are surprised
0: i mean if you listen to this podcast are you really
1: and then meanwhile i'm doing women for three days and then a gender bent version of a man (laughs) which i will not be elaborating on until i have pictures to post (sighs) if you know you know oh i know oh i know we know (laughs) but do they know
0: <laughs> oh my god anyway I mean I can't think of a single thing that's happened in the past two weeks <laughs>
1: um, I got tickets to see Hosier a $50 yeah. slay, slay. obviously fun. not at the same show but that's it no. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we both actually got tickets this time no. do not crazy concept and they yeah, it weren't is. over $200 and it wasn't the absolute I heard some people like really went through it but my sister and I we kind of braced there we went through the line we only had one of the thing where we had to like select other tickets they were $35 like we really breezed through that shit. yeah like it took maybe five minutes of me waiting in the queue to get in and there was still like not like anything like super close to this stage but there was still Decent tickets, like it's care. not like he's doing like elaborate yeah. dance numbers. Like you just kind of he's there not to not buy. Giving us the era's tour. Like it's <laughs> fine. He's except, he's simply a man and brings, his guitar. When he brings out a chair and he starts doing choreography to era, <laughs> I I would be okay with that. I would be okay with that. Bisexuality at its finest. <laughs> He'll do his handsome Squidward impression. <laughs> I rewatched that video the other day. it's and so it's funny. funny. It's, it's not even that video, it's his apology. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. <laughs> what a man. Oh. Anyway, how's your supremacy? So, so true. true. <laughs>
0: Also, my Han and both my Han Balance and my Valance playlists have a lot of hosier. So
1: Yeah, I think my, my Fav- one has a lot of know, it.
0: I think my favorite one is Wasteland Baby, because that's just so Han Valence. It makes me go crazy. Speaking of Han Valence, um I published a was that last week? I don't remember. I published a chapter in the Fic I've been working on since last May with Bestie Julia. Shout out to you. Um I there are no thoughts up here. No thoughts head empty for real. Anyway, let's talk about the man the Mandalorian, the myth, the legend, Dinjarin, bo Tan. And Elliot Kane. Hmm. <laughs> so we're gonna start off with episode three, the convert. So, rapid fire thoughts, go.
1: If you liked this episode, you're gay. That's <laughs> the conclusion that I've come to after talking to multiple straight people. No offense, Emily. Um, <laughs> I loved this episode. <laughs> okay, you're yeah, but, but you're you're one of the girlies. Yeah, you're like an I'm honorary... also I'm also a political science major. Yeah, <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah, but like it's, every... so, you were either gay or a political science yeah. major, no, and there's a lot of overlap there too. The Venn diagram is a circle because <laughs> <laughs> every straight person I talked to that were like, yeah, I didn't really get that episode. I didn't really like it, and it's like, hmm, interesting. We Very need to connect the dots here. <laughs> and I did straight up tell one of my coworkers who said that she didn't like it. I was like, I liked it, but I do happen to be extremely gay. So <laughs> she did find that pretty funny, but. <laughs>
0: um, I liked this episode a lot. I think it might be either one of, or my favorite episode of the Mandalorian which is interesting because it doesn't focus that much on the Mandalorian. So not to bring this show up, but it's kind of like the Bad Batch effect where like the best episodes don't focus on them, at least in season two. But I am also a sequel slash New Republic girly, so that could also be why. But I really liked this episode. I thought the inclusion of Dr. Pershing again was really cool. And we got a lot of lore about the New Republic and how they're kind of, like, transitioning out of the Empire. But you can definitely see the First Order start to sneak in. And it's, like, after I watched this episode, I was like, I need to read Bloodline right now. So I need to read Bloodline. And then I also got the urge to read the other two Aftermath books. But we can get to that when we get to literacy. Anyway... Let's just go straight into characters. Um, what do we think about Din this episode for the point two seconds he was in it?
1: <laughs> he was there. So true. <laughs> he um, did fly real well. Shoot real well. Good for him. <laughs> That's basically all he did. Yeah. We did find out, I guess, how he how he sh- proves that he went to the waters he just got a little vial of it and was like Here you go <laughs> and he did
0: not facetime the armorer unfortunately um
1: no. and he they did confirm that he didn't get pulled down by anything he just fell he simply <laughs> sunk he just <laughs> simply that is so funny <laughs> he, he simply sunk he just drowned
2: he did.
1: He drowned. He, he he actually drowned. He actually just drowned. He needs to to go to to Bo's swimming school. We've <laughs> <He's> been saying. <laughs> Who's gonna teach Grogu if Din can't swim? <laughs> he needs.
0: Oh my god. Him and him and Grogu can have matching arm floaties.
1: So true. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs>
0: Um yeah, my thoughts on Din this episode were yeah, he was just simply there. He was there in his little N1 Starfighter flying around, uh Kalavala.
1: Oh, speaking of peace, in peace, rest <laughs> in peace <laughs> bo's Palace.
0: Speaking of Calavala, Bo Katan, how did she fare this episode?
1: Well, her home blew up, so not pretty (laughs) good. Hopefully, Axel wasn't still lost. (laughs) He's gonna be real lost now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) God,
0: he's just lost in the castle. King of the castle. King of the castle.
1: (laughs) I bet that's him. (laughs) No, that's that's him. Walking into the the palace when Bo isn't there, and he's like, king of the castle, king of the (laughs) castle. And he sits in her throne and goes, I have a chair, I have a chair. And then immediately blows up. (laughs) He's like, Bo's security system is not a fucking joke.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. I just want to know what happened to him, and
1: what the fuck's the other girl's name? Posca. Costco, thank you Costco from what, Reeves from what Bo say Bo says it I feel like she her. just like pieced out Costco's good the for very her least. oh my god no when
0: her and axe her and axe wolves go to Costco she he gets lost and then she has to go find him that's why her name is Costco no the night owls are Costco girlies I will not
1: elaborate so true But anyway, uh, Rip, Bo's castle, you were really cool for the 0.5 seconds we got you. (laughs) You served served some (laughs) slaves as Bo sat on the throne. Lived, served cunt. Early (laughs) life, served cunt, died. (laughs) Also, I don't know who brought this
0: up, but someone brought up the fact that those tactics were like Thrawn tactics. I forget if it was either Thrawn or, or Moth Guinean Tactics, but someone brought it up and I was like, listen, how the fuck are you going to connect those dots? Are you a military strategist?
1: Some of the Thrawn girlies do think that they are. I'm pretty sure at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All the love to the Thrawn girlies though.
0: I actually just started a Rebels we watched yesterday. So I may in fact be re-entering my Thrara. No i'm warning everyone right now (laughs) um yeah my thoughts on bo katan were she slayed in her little gunship i forget what the model is called but that shit is so cool (laughs)
1: yeah and she joined the children yeah (laughs) they were like slay (laughs) (laughs) and she was like okay yes okay i guess so (laughs) No, because
0: I remember when I was watching the episode and she was flying, but she didn't have her helmet off. I was like, that's weird. Why, does, why doesn't she have her helmet off? Because she usually flies with her helmet off. And then she goes to the, co- the, co- the not the convert, the covert. It was like, oh, by the way, you can be a member of this convert or
1: fuck covert now. And she was like, oh, swag. It well, Yeah, it wasn't so much you can be more that you just are. <laughs> <laughs> But she seemed pretty okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I diagnose like, you child of the watch. watch. <laughs> like she was like sick. Thanks. <laughs> it's it's giving an avocado uh, thanks. thanks. To be fair, she could have immediately just removed her helmet and been like Oh yeah. Out. But yeah. she was like okay. <laughs> I guess she needs a plate. I guess she does need a place to stay because her castle is not a castle anymore
0: (laughs) rest in peace Calaballa Cassie Cassie fuck castle (laughs) I can't talk um anyway after the bombing of Calaballa and the Kree's homestead that's that's also very Dragonstone coded Someone, I tweeted that. Oh my god, what am I saying? Fuck. <laughs> the castle on Kalevala looks like Dragonstone. But someone replied to my tweet with, like, does she know? So was Kalevala modeled after Dragonstone? Did they use the same set? Is that like a place that they went? I don't know. If there's Maybe, something, if there's something I I'm like missing, that was CGI. let me know.
1: Okay. I don't think that was a real place.
0: Oh, it was the volume. We could talk about the volume but, once we get to the New Republic.
1: Well, for those wide shot, like the big, like overhead shots, that's not the volume. That's just CG. Oh yeah, no. But like okay. the inside, like
0: the inside, like the interior design, the hashtag brutalism. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the New Republic, we got New Republic Coruscant. I was very happy with that. I like post. Republic Coruscant. I was obsessed with Imperial Coruscant and Andor. We're also getting Imperial Senate stuff in a show I will not speak the name of, but New Republic Coruscant is something that's very, very interesting, especially in the context of like the political state of the galaxy, because you have this planet that was once the home of the Republic and and then it was transitioned to the role of the empire with the empire like ousting the jedi and taking over their temple but then you have once the empire is done i think it's like a year or two after the after the battle of endor when Masameda finally surrenders and turns over the control of coruscant to to the new republic but also in i think it was um Victory's Price, the Alphabet Squadron book, it says that they were allowed to keep like a governorship on Coruscant. So it was like not really under the control of the New Republic, but it wasn't really under the control of what remains of the Empire. I don't know. I might have to give that a reread. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So it looks like that the New Republic finally took over Coruscant again after it being the governorship or whatever of the Empire. And I was really interested to see what they're doing with the amnesty project or like the amnesty program because we'll get into it speaking of the amnesty program let's talk about elia kane who finally got a name after 2 seasons
1: giggling <laughs> and kicking my feet for real <laughs> i love when star wars gives me a new morally bankrupt woman to add to my collection <laughs> It just makes me so happy. It's like Price if she slayed instead of Flopped. Yeah, (laughs) so true. So good for her, I say. (laughs) Good for her. Best for her. I
0: like her character. I I knew from the get-go that she was doing something unsavory. Like, she has, she had a look in her eyes. She was too innocent when she met Dr. Pershing again. And she was too nonchalant for my taste. So I knew that she was cooking up something. What was she cooking? Betrayal. Lobotomy. <laughs> okay, no, but, like, what did she do to pour
1: Dr. Pershing's brain? I don't know, but, um. Did she, did she he... pour gulletify it? perhaps but she looked hot while doing it so how how, who are we to judge
0: (laughs) speaking of Dr. Pershing I'm afraid I have to bestow upon him the honor of just like me for real (laughs) because the one time he does something bad he gets caught and then gets his brain muddled although that that's never happened to me I have been in a similar situation before. Yet, exactly.
1: Yeah, that's like when we went to Disneyland in February (laughs) and we concocted an elaborate lie. And then (laughs) several days later, your family members found out.
0: (laughs) We were just in a silly movement. I didn't buy anything. (laughs) I bought food and that's it. And I also left my credit card at Oga's Cantina. But anyway, I got it back. (laughs) They excited, I did it. Shout out to you, Disney. <laughs> anyway, Dr. Pershing, I think he's so cool because he actually wants to be in the Amnesty program. Elliot Kane does too, but probably for again unsavory reasons. But I'm I'm happy for Dr. Pershing. I think I think he's pretty swag. And I'll be honest, I definitely felt for him when he said the whole reason he became a cloning scientist was to prevent anything like what happened to his mother from happening again. That definitely got some sympathy points for me. But I won. No, I'm not going to say that. Anyway, you can cut that out. <laughs> um, yeah, I also wonder why cloning is, is like illegal in the New Republic. Because when he was in that like little- so probably
1: my guess would be because the last time they cloned people, they made an army that fought a war for several years. So true. And led to the empire rising. So that's personally just my guess on why <laughs> people are not so keen on
0: cloning. Okay, so true. But still, he did have a good point where he said that he didn't want what happened to his mother to happen to any to anyone else.
1: So, I mean But then are you just like farming clones for organs? Because oh, boy, do I have a movie I think, for you? No, with, I think I man. think he was talking about just cloning like yeah. organs. He wasn't okay. yeah, like he was talking growing about, but, like, organs cloning like it was just like literally growing like a heart or love. Yeah.
0: Stuff like that. that and also not has
1: like some implications, I guess. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyways. He just wants to help people. Even if he did it for the Empire, he just wanted to help people. But anyway again, I'm afraid I have to bestow upon him the honorable honor of Just Like Me For Real, except not the whole cloning organ harvesting thing.
2: I feel like he... <laughs> it's it's tough, because
1: he obviously, he's... He worked with the Empire. He's mm-hmm. a fascist. But I feel like he was someone who, like, just wanted to be a scientist, yeah. And that was his best career option, really? It's it's the Galen so thing. Yeah. He yeah. Exactly. Joined and, uh, you know, he joined and because he was promised all this stuff and I don't think he fully realized what he was doing or the consequences of it until it was too late. Too late. And mm-hmm. then, you know, what are you going to do if you're Galen so You sabotage your work. Um, so true. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of that thing, like, uh, I mean, like, I just said this, but, like, he does really remind me of, like, a combination of Bodhi and Galen. Like, that mm-hmm. kind of anxiousness, but also, you know, his work that, like, he really does just have a love for for science, but, like, he clearly is easily influenced and mm-hmm. tricked um yeah and, I don't want to say
0: he's too innocent but I think he's too trusting is I think the word
1: yeah or like when you're so focused on I just want to do this then you kind of forget that like other people want to do it for other reasons yeah and once again that does not at all excuse him working for the entire yeah, no. kid is <laughs> like but um just interesting.
0: Yeah. I feel like his and Elia's dynamic is really, really interesting because like you have you both of them worked for Moff Gideon, but they were both doing it for, I think, like taking into account what you said, such different reasons and like Elia, I'm pretty sure she's a saboteur and she's probably going to plant the first, like the first actual seeds of the First Order.
1: She, I think she's <laughs> still Grandma's. straight up I'm pretty sure we're supposed to understand she's just still straight up working for Moff Gideon, no? Oh yeah. Okay. I was like, I am not stupid. Yeah. Like, we're just supposed to understand that, <laughs> correct? Like that she is actively working, yeah, for him still. And I think which is S- Slay, I guess. Moth <laughs> With- <laughs> <laughs> Moff Gideon is a little Slay, so yeah. uh... everyone gets a little <laughs> gets a little bit of a
0: pass. <laughs> But yeah, I just think that it's interesting of their dynamic because they both worked for Moff Gideon and they're both out of it. One, probably not so much. But yeah, I just thought their little adventure was really cool and very Slay and made me their, giggle a little bit. Their
1: gay little adventure on it's, the train. It's,
0: it's it's WLW and MLM solidarity.
1: Which turns F- into WLW MLM. Hostility! Hostility. Hostility. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, this is like why I think I, part of it, like, I know people are kind of joking, being like, oh, it's like an Andor episode if it wasn't good. I kind of disagree. <laughs> I think it was like an Andor episode if it was, was an Andor episode. <laughs> like, I think that this was really good and really interesting. And mm-hmm. I think that, like, I also think people like kind of misunderstand what's happening with the New Republic. Like the whole thing is just that they're trying so hard not to be the Empire Mm -hmm. that they're making mistakes. It's the same thing with Amon Mothma. D. I was just about to bring that up. Exactly. Like it's just them trying so hard not to repeat the mistakes of the Empire that they end up making mistakes that then cause them to go to the first order. Exactly. Um, even though like also the first order is kind of different cuz like it's the empire didn't ever fully like go away. Mm. Um but I just found that so fascinating and I the amnesty mm-hmm. program is so interesting to me. Yeah. Because I just like the idea that like someone in the new republic was like, you kind of have all these people. And like, yeah, you have to assume that not all of them were deeply terrible. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're terrible because they worked for the empire, but you have to assume that some of them, it was a, a case of circumstance, right? That like this is the only job they can get. In the case of like uh like Luke was gonna join the Empire. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing he was going to do. I think Bodhi it's very similar. Like he just like it was kind of the path that like that's what you do <laughs> you join mm-hmm. the military um so I think setting up like a program where like those people can find a new life is really interesting but the way they did it you know with like they all stay there they have numbers instead of names mm-hmm. which, the droid like, that they have to talk to yeah, yeah. The <laughs> therapy no. very blade runner Anything, them. very very blade runner like, it's all, yeah, it's not quite, and, uh, you know, I'd be really interested to, like, see who set that up. Like, who yeah. was it like, you know, if you're talking to Lila and I, us personally, I'm just saying Senator Cyril Karn setting up the amnesty program because he himself, <laughs> felt like so true. he could have used a second chance but well, I think it has to be not but like I think I think it feels like something that was set up by a former oh yeah or defected person because mm-hmm. like it feels like something that basically they're like oh well I had the opportunity other people should too mm-hmm. um callous is I guess another option but Callus doesn't seem that involved in politics yeah I don't think was- he would become a senator no, but yeah, and like, or even Leia, I think, or someone like that, you know, knowing mm-hmm. that people like Wedge, uh, Han, um, worked for the Empire. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, well, no, I have. Thane, I was gonna bring this Thane, up. I, let's be real. Fame is another. Like, actually, for me, could be an actual real person who could have set that up because I can a hundred percent see him doing it particularly for Sina. Sienna Sienna mm-hmm. Sienna him setting it up to ensure that she has a second chance
0: mm-hmm. well I have finished a lovely book called Aftermath. And in the book, I think the last interlude is one of Mon Mothma's aides giving an interview for the first day that the Senate is still, is like reconvening after um, Palpatine dissolved the Senate in A New Hope. This is like the first day of the New Republic Senate on Chandrilla. And the interlude is basically, one of like the workers, I guess, was parading around imperials and chains. And then the the whole, like shebang, like the whole interview is about how the Senate was about to go and reconvene. But she saw the treaters being treated like that in the background. And then she physically like went up to them and said, "We cannot be as bad as the Imperials. These people deserve humanity and to not be paraded around, like, like war trophies basically so i feel like that is also a really significant thing that comes into play here especially with the establishment of the amnesty program so um also going back to the amnesty program itself um so in imperial cadet this is not balance related before anyone says anything this is not balance related so in imperial cadet there are two twins tamu and Lytton. The only reason they joined the Empire was because their planet was starving and there was a famine that took out all the crops. The only reason they joined the Empire is basically to have a place to live, eat, and sleep. Lytton gets blown up in the TIE Fighter comic series, but Tamu, after the events of Imperial Cadet, he goes into the Imperial Medical Corps and becomes a medic for the battlefield. So like, he still wanted to help people the empire was just the only avenue for him to, you know, be able to live and work. So he would definitely also be a candidate for the, M- the amnesty program because he was still a medical guy. But anyway, c- circling back to the New Republic as a whole, um, again, yes, it is deeply flawed, but I've been seeing people compare it to and say like, oh, it's just like the empire. I don't think that's a fair comparison at all. Um, you You guys need to Step back a little bit. I understand that yes, the new republic is flawed, but it is not as it's not a I don't personally it's think not it's not a, a
2: dictatorship.
0: Exactly. It's not a
1: fascistic empire. Like the whole thing <laughs> with the new republic is like there's a really interesting thing to explore of like people trying their best, but like but it's, still making mistakes. It's, it making mistakes, and ultimately this kind of like thing of like it's really hard to try to govern after
0: exactly dictatorship
1: Mm -hmm. like that's like reflected in our real world where like governments it's hard for countries to afterwards especially when you have the u.s doing shit but like that's just like you know but like it's hard for for some kind for countries to establish a new government a democracy um Mm -hmm. a republic after a dictatorship after fascism and it, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always work as exhibited in the new republic yeah and it's hard but like that it's like people are trying and they're making mistakes but like that's also i think natural in mm-hmm. trying to uh grow after the type of tragedies and hardships that people would have experienced under Mm -hmm. the empire so um yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: and also in Aftermath there's an interlude of Mon Mothma going to a planet and her two aides are both like they're two vastly different ideological sides of the spectrum I think there's one who wants like total militarism and then one that agrees completely with Mon Mothma and in the interlude, they say that, like M brought up earlier, like the senator Ma- or not senator, uh, Chancellor mamathma is demilitarizing the Republic by ninety percent, which means all those fighters and all the rebellion fighters and stuff, they're basically going to be out of a job, and they are not going to be able to, you know, fight in the new in the New Republic military because there isn't one. But I think this kind of comes into play especially around the time of the sequels and around the time of Bloodline but you still have the new republic navy and you still have people training to go into the navy which then kind of founds the resistance and then you get into the factor of how the resistance is not being backed by the new republic because they're a military body they're like they're basically like mi6 like the like the 007 program whatever but then it gets to a point where it's too late to do anything about it. And that's when the First Order like really comes into play. Sorry, I just I just finished Resistance yesterday, so this is all really on the top of my mind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I in summation, I don't think calling the New Republic just as bad as the Empire is a very fair statement. And I think people should think about their words before they say them on the internet. <laughs> anyway, moving on from the political science side, um, the, the volume, in the scene where Pershing was going back to amnesty housing was not giving it was weirdly lit it the volume was just not slaying this episode but we got a sick high republic reference with the peak of the mountain I forget what the mountain is called but it was a semi high republic reference there and we got a little snippet of march of the resistance being played in the background which i had on my cameo pool because i knew for a fact they were gonna bring in musical cues from the movies and like on the cameo pool i said musical cues i.e march of the resistance or palpatine's teachings which is like because in season two when they go to like the snoke the snoke clones it has like the same music that's playing when palpatine tells anakin about his plan and they both happen in the same episode like five or ten minutes apart so slay for me but anyway i think exploring this era of the new republic in live action is really interesting because as of yet we've only really gotten stuff mostly in books in like aftermath and bloodline and stuff but it's really interesting to see it visualized and how it comes into play especially in the greater mandover spectrum also last thing we got um a name drop of the galactic museum which originally was in legends and then it was recanonized in star wars 2020 we got name dropped and they had there was a second line after it that said um they have a really cool exhibit on hyperspace technology or something like that that was definitely a High Republic reference with the path engines um any final thoughts on the new republic
1: um, I like the the glowy popsicles that <laughs> so that Aliyah and Doctor Pershing were eating. I also like the the part where she convinces him to try to touch the mountain, and then he gets yelled at by the droid. I, yeah. I love the the mean lesbian stereotype. It feels <laughs> so, me. We're just having a silly, goofy time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's actually now that I'm thinking about it, that was kind of foreshadowing of her tricking him into going to get the shit. Cool. Okay. I love her. (laughs) She's so slay. She's so slay. I think she
0: has completed the gaslight gatekeep girl boss trifecta of being the girl boss.
1: What do you think, Liv? It's her it's her and Kira. They're the only true true gaslight gatekeep girl bosses. So true. They own me. (laughs) Yeah. Also I just love how it's so funny how she's actually or not funny but i think it's really cool that like also like it doesn't even feel like it's that far-fetched to say that her character is a lesbian because like oh no katie is look at her in real life and <laughs> has like a girlfriend who posts about like how he has a wife, uh, katie oh, a has wife. wife. okay <laughs> okay i was like i a wife who like posts about how hot and buff katie is <laughs> as she should like so she, true she like posted, That's, that one she, like, posted a video of like her working out and was like look at that back and I was like <laughs> she's so real for that <laughs> she's so real didn't she just like wear that like vest to the premiere yes. yeah yes she did <laughs> and she like flexed every chance that she could get oh
2: as a woman. she
1: should
0: <laughs> good for her <sighs>
1: she's what Cara Dune thought, she's what so thought she was
0: <laughs> someone someone said that if Katie wasn't Elia she should be Cara Dune and you know what mm-hmm. I think she should be Cara Dune and if they're like ever in the same frame together they could just say oh wow you look really familiar anyway hashtag recast Cara Dune as Katie O'Brien yes and I need no one to ever
1: mention it like yeah. she just shows up as Kara Dune one day and no one says anything about it. Exactly. And and then Elaine and her are in a scene together. Yeah.
0: Um. Any final thoughts on this episode? Oh yeah, Bo-Katan gets after that. Bo-Katan gets welcomed into the the covert. I don't think it yeah, really we had a name though. We talked yeah.
1: about that. Okay. The, the children of the watch. That's the oh. name. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> been yes, so much discourse this week how did you not
0: remember Listen, that i've been busy this week okay i have not been online much
1: god you're so lucky
0: <laughs> <sighs> i think we can get into that in the next episode but yeah final thoughts I liked this episode. Also, someone brought up the fact that this was probably content from the scrapped range of the New Republic show. <laughs> yep. I, I, I was really excited for that show. But anyway, I can't get what I, I can't always get what I want. Moving on, we have the second episode that we're going to talk about. Chapter 20, The Foundling. So, before we begin, overall thoughts.
1: Thumbs up. It was, yeah, it wasn't as good as episode three, but oh no, I mm-hmm. agree. It was also super short. It was like yeah. half an hour, maybe like 25 well, minutes. The convert was like 50 minutes long. Yeah, it, so it was, was a super, super long. long episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I also I don't know what the fuck they thought they were doing with like the bird things at the end. Like, are they gonna train them as Mandalorians or are they gonna train them to be like Birds I think they're of gonna prey?
1: Yeah, I think they're gonna train them to be like like how um what's his face? Just like the dragons with the, the blurs.
0: Oh, okay. Cuz I thought it was funny when they called them foundlings. <laughs> I
1: think <'Cause> I-, <laughs> I think that was Din's attempt at making a joke. Yeah, they're like oh. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He um, he doesn't he is very monotone so you can never know was that yeah. what he's trying to say? Or was, was that he- I think no, it was, was done. Oh, it was done. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, this episode, especially compared to the last episode, in my opinion,
1: was mostly simply there. I I haven't said this, and I'm curious to see what people's takes are. Personally, I think that this season of Mandalorian is a very good example of. I don't want to compare the shows, but I'm just saying how the structure of Andor could be beneficial to the Mandalorian, having a longer season, having it broken down into specific arcs. And having Absolutely. longer episodes, because I think this solves a lot of issues that I've seen people have with the show, particularly this season, where they feel like Din isn't getting enough screen time. They feel like we're spending a lot of time with different characters. Um, the episodes are short, so it's feeling rushed. We're already halfway through the season, uh, so like I think that having you know a structure like that could be beneficial for a show like this especially as it seems to expand to be more than just like the first season which is kind of like a slice of life about Din like as it gets more into we're bringing Bo in as a major character we want to see more of the the new Republic we are balancing um more Grogu backstory I think that that is something that I don't know could be beneficial for no, a show like this.
0: I completely agree. I think, mm-hmm. especially in the context of how well the audience received episode three, it could definitely be beneficial. And I think we brought this up when we were talking about our final thoughts on Andor. Is that listen, eight episodes, especially in a con- in the context of a set of stories and characters as broad and as diverse as the Mandalorian eight 30 to 40 minute episodes is not going to cut it especially if you're going to go to now they're bringing in stuff like the um the inner workings of the new republic and how they're treating imperial prisoners after the dismantlement of the empire it's just it's just not going to work especially in again in the context of the last episode You just don't have enough time to focus on each character. And I feel like I've been, I've, I've seen a couple of tweets about this, but apparently it's been more apparent on other people's timelines, but people have been complaining about the structure of this season and how they feel like, again, Din isn't getting enough screen time and... Bo's arc is is going to be really explored, I think, throughout the rest of the season, especially in the context of what happened at the end of the last episode. But yeah, I definitely agree and think that not the Andorification, but the structure of Andor, yeah, if applied to like a show like this, it could really benefit and flesh out like plots and characters and things like that.
1: Because the thing with Andor is like, I don't mind at all, Bo having more of a plot and I really oh, no. look forward to it but I think the whole thing with Andor that was really helpful was Cassian still felt like the main focus but we got so many scenes and arcs with other characters that didn't feel like it was then taking away screen time from him because it was longer show and because the episodes were longer yeah so you know having the ability to jump back to Mon Mothma to Bix to uh Valencinta to Luthan, all of that really helped build out the show. Um, because I think, like Andor, sure, it's called Andor, but really, it is a show about the rebellion. Sure, mm-hmm. it's called The Mandalorian, but it's really a, it's called, you know, The Mandalorian After Din, but really, it's a show about, uh, Mandalorians in general and the new republic. Um mm-hmm. so I think that like which is fine but I just don't think then if that's what we're doing I don't necessarily think the 8 episode shorter episode structure works very well for totally. that. Personally. Mm-hmm.
0: Liv, what are your thoughts on this? On the episode or
1: just it in general? Anything? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't have anything else to add. Swag. <laughs>
2: um,
0: yeah. I, if we're... I mean, overall thoughts on this episode, again, in the context of the last episode, mostly it was simply there. And we can definitely get into that with characters and stuff. So, starting off with Din... I feel like he was, again, simply there this episode to be, like, proud soccer dad to Grogu when he won his first fight with the kid.
1: I I just like that he looked at his tiny baby son and was like, hmm, time to give you some weapons. <laughs> like, do, that's Like, a, that's a baby! <laughs> that's a baby that's a 50 year old baby he's a baby still they're like he can't talk and it's like don't worry about it <laughs> so i was like i don't know dim <laughs> they I was, might have and then bo is like does he even know how to use that no <laughs> <laughs> the fuck
0: it we ballism is so real <laughs> but also when i was re-watching the episode the judge <laughs> He said a line that made me giggle, and it was just simply, he is too small. <laughs> it was so matter-of-fact and so deadpan that it's just so funny. He is too small. <laughs> so yeah, I guess if we have to talk about Din this episode, we have to talk about Grogu. Um, the fucker was Little about to love that. But <laughs> he's catching up to the armor that made me giggle. Oh he-
1: my god. Literally, we did find out that it takes him forever to walk places. Yeah just pick him up i'm sorry like i'm all for like gotta learn how to do things on your own but like damn (laughs) he's just a baby he's just a baby like at least like luke was doing that thing where he was like using the force to like (laughs) pop him forward so he was still walking but like luke could walk at the at a normal pace and and just kind of keep grogu up with him (laughs) yeah I don't know he was especially when he like ran to catch up with the armor that was silly that made me giggle that made me make a noise that I don't think I could recreate if I tried
0: <laughs> sometimes he is pocket size
1: he's always pocket sized that's part of his character
0: <laughs> and then he made the patu sign again or patu. sound
1: <laughs> good for him that the next victim of um the armorer causing ptsd flashbacks
0: <laughs> speaking of the ptsd flashbacks it is simply not a dave filoni joint without an order 66 flashback but
1: this one i ho- okay i hope this is the last order 66 flashback for a very long time yeah i cannot see how they're gonna work it in any other times yeah but um this one, this one worked. This one worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know my opinions would have changed had it not been on as the Jedi, and I can admit that, but I literally can't think of a more perfect decision than yeah. deciding mm-hmm. to have uh, Kelrin, is that mm-hmm. Kelran? Kelrin, yeah. Uh, Kelrin as the, the Jedi to save Mm -hmm. grogu like truly that is just incredible and it was so cool uh to to see and i i like i had to like rewind because i was like wait is that (laughs) (laughs) like i got really excited to see him and i i I realized it was him and i just started crying (laughs) oh because i just i i love ahmed best and the shit that he went through and now he gets to be a literal hero, yeah. Like it's it's just it just makes me emotional.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I can't think of anyone else who desert, who deserves that more besides like Jake Lloyd or Kelly Marie Tran. Like yeah. those three, they yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And and it was so cool how like uh they were saying like how they um let him incorporate like a lot of like his, like, he got to make a lot of decisions, so, like, I said, like, uh, the symbols on them are all inspired yeah. by Afrofuturism and Indigenous mm-hmm. Futurism, and Ahmed Best teaches a course uh, on yeah. Afrofuturism. At Stanford. Um, at Stanford, Whoa. which is so, so cool, and it's, like, incorporating elements of, like, his own tattoos in it, yeah. and, like, um, like, that was just so, so cool to see like him having like that much impact on his character yeah Um, and then also like of course just like seeing him because he was canon before because of the jedi temple challenge thing but like seeing him in like a show like this Mm -hmm. really fucking cool yeah and like a lot of people said the gold is very like high republic yeah well Mm -hmm. which I really like uh, he's an Avar Chris Dan. I can so true, my
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could not, just like you said, I could not think of a better cameo to have. And for someone, and like, I can't think of a better character to save Grogu because his character is I think it was he was one of the f- like not one of the only Jedi, but the first Jedi in a long time to dedicate his teaching two younglings and he always preaches kindness and understanding and saving and like emphasizes saving each other in his teachings and to see him demonstrate that in the mandalorian and save grogu especially after everything ahmed best went through but it still sticks to the core tenets of his character and it preaches everything both keller and beck and my Best have been saying for years. And, like, I, I just can't think of a more perfect situation for um, Grogu to be saved in. And just overall in, like, the meta context, that mm-hmm. situation to, like, happen
1: in. Yeah. And, like, I was I was telling these guys earlier, this is, like, the perfect way to do a cameo. Because exactly. to general audiences, this is just a new Jedi character. And they go like, oh, that's cool. That's the guy who saved Grogu. Mm-hmm. But if you know, if you know the backstory, you don't even have to know that Jedi Temple Challenge was a thing. Like, if you just be like, holy shit, that's Ahmed Best. That's Jar Jar Binks. Like, that means more to you. That's what yeah. a cameo is supposed to be. Exactly. <laughs> they don't overtake the entire show. They're just there. You know? Mm-hmm. But, anyways. Stay in yeah. Jedi Master Keller and Beck.
2: Slay. Um,
0: Yeah. Armor-induced PTSD flashbacks are certainly a theme throughout this show. But, after, she, when she's crafting this thing for Grogu, he. She gives him a medallion, but it doesn't go outside of his little robe thing. It goes inside over the chainmail. I don't understand the mechanics of that or, like, why everything has to go under the robe. The same robe that he's been wearing for, like, 50 years. I don't know what's going on there. He's and saying, I don't know, it's wait, like what the he's, fuck is the
1: medallion supposed to do? It is, like, just something that is there. It protects his little chest. I think it's a... a- I think it's supposed to be, like, eventually he'll, like, grow into it. It's kind of, like, Dan and uh, Bow's like, and everyone's, like, shoulder things. Like, eventually oh. it'll grow. Like, when he actually, like, grows up, it'll be, like, something he can just put on, like, actual armor. Because okay. clearly he's going to grow out of the chainmail.
0: mail. <laughs> <laughs> he can just keep adding links. It's fine. Chainmail is actually a very versatile uh piece of clothing because like if you get too big for it, you can just take it off and like cut the rings and then make more rings and you make it bigger. Uh,
1: I just I just like the, the idea that he has this like giant medallion on a necklace under his robes. It's like, like he's the a little, turnover. He's a chain. <laughs> it's the turnover chain at UM. <laughs>
0: Okay so for context UM has this like big gold chain with the U symbol on it that they wear every time there's a turnover. I pretend like I I I know about football but I don't it's just my dad always like brings it up. So it has like like big giant U on a chain that you wear until you you get sent out for the next play and <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying. It's like it's like that. It's, it's you're talking chaos. to the
1: wrong people right
0: now. Well, I know. I am the wrong person. You're <sighs> also talking
1: to the wrong audience.
0: Yeah, I know. Like, no one is
1: going to understand what you're talking about right now. Ugh.
0: The one time I try and talk about football. I don't even know what the fuck. Ha- how you're the, fuck the wrong place. I know. <sighs> anyway. The, they Then they go off to save Apparently Paz Vizla's fucking kid from a giant raptor
1: thing. Listen, my favorite part of this this whole thing is dudes being like, how how does Paz Vizla have a son if he can't take off the armor? Buddy, go on archive of our own. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's simple. It's, it's really that simple. Also, like I get it, but like there is an assumption that like we don't fully know what the rules are. It's entirely possible that like other cultures where uh, people wear like some sort of head covering that once you're married, you are allowed to not have it on the person you're married to. (laughs) Like that is a very common like rule and like other religions, Mm -hmm. observances of like things like that. So like just saying, but also, yeah, Mm -hmm. like babes,
0: (laughs) (laughs) May I there's introduce th- to you the work Rough Day by
1: Timothy Zahn? <laughs> like babes, there's a whole tag yeah. on AO3 that is the helmet stays on. <laughs> That's it. Just just browse that, that tag for a bit. Y- you can figure it out. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs>
0: but actually Bo brought up a really funny thing where she was like, how do we eat?
2: When yeah.
0: <laughs> that made me giggle. And I mean, I guess it's cool that, like, the leader of the war party gets to sit by the fire, but what about everyone else? It's fucking they, dark out. How are
1: they going to see? They're ju- they are just get to be cold and eat <laughs> their food in the dark. Also, to be fair, they have a lot of, like, things. I'm sure most of them have little flashlight attachments. Yeah. <laughs> True. On, their, <laughs> on their, their helmets. On their helmets. Just cute little attachments. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mess up her wig if she stays with them for too long. Yeah. Oh, so true. It's going to revert back to the season two wig.
2: Jump scare. She's
1: she's serving so hard and no one can even see it. Din is the only one who's seen it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not even Casca or Axe Woves. They're just, uh, Axe is still lost in the castle, man.
1: (laughs) They haven't seen his new serve.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they save the kid from the rapture and they bring back three ugly fucking naked bird things
1: to train, I guess. And then the armorer and Bo-Katan have some sort of tension going yeah. on. God damn.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> the way that the armor like brushes her shoulder and she's like you're missing something i'm like oh my god (laughs) literally like victorian yeah
0: (laughs) like Like, squinted eyes but
1: lgbt-ified you know
0: yes
1: (laughs) it reminds me in season one of mando when i was it episode five whatever the one with the bounty hunter is um where you can see Din's wrist in the one shot and everyone was like, oh my God, guys. Oh my God, you can see (laughs) his wrist. You can see skin. (laughs) (laughs) I vividly remember that. That was so fun. (laughs) But I
0: mean, in that scene, she asks not for the night owl signet. Yeah, signet. She asked for the mythosaur and then she asked the armorer what if I saw a mythosaur? And I don't honestly, I don't remember what she said to that. But like, it's interesting that she brought it up. But then when she asked for the mythosaur to be on her pauldron, the armorer said, "the myth, the the, the myth, fuck, the mythosaur belongs to all Mandalorians." So what I think, and a lot of other people have theorized, what I think is going to happen is she is going to use the fact that she's been redeemed she's seen the mythosaur and she was pretty she could technically depending on how you view who has possession of the dark saber and she has possession of the dark saber she could possibly be the one to reunite the mandalorians on mandalore and i don't know start a cleanup of Mm -hmm. the wasteland that is mandalore but i think that interaction was important for a for a ton of reasons especially in the context of her previously being in the death watch and then leaving leaving and then being the savior and ruler of mandalore and the wielder of the darksaber for a while but then she lost it and then she was about to bring together mandalore again but then her besties left her so now she's alone but now she has a new group of people that she trusts and feels comfortable with. So maybe she's going to be like the rallying force for them to try and reclaim Mandalore. I don't know. I just think that interaction was significant.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think it's also like, personally, I have been so far very impressed by how they've written both Bo-Katan and I was Ever. literally thinking about this today. And I think that that moment was really great and like like you kind of were saying like having them have this moment of solidarity Mm -hmm. um and also like I appreciate it because I know a lot of people thought that that was kind of gonna be the big thing was like between them Mm -hmm. but I think having them instead come to this sort of understanding is better in my opinion I like that direction way more I like I like that they're going in the direction of like Mando solidarity instead yeah. of like a war and keeping what it seems to be since like with episode three um Moff Gideon as our sort of yeah. central villain mm-hmm. um I I like that decision a lot and I think um is I also just think it was funny like all those people were talking about that Tylenol tweet where it's like when I take uh night quill and i see Hatman. what are you talking about oh suddenly this is <laughs> in a safe in the space, space. <laughs> <laughs> i sold them with this arm what are you talking about oh suddenly this is in a safe <laughs> space um but i yeah i really like that yeah i was
0: just thinking about this like this entire week is that i know a lot of people myself kind of included were worried that of course, Dave and John would turn it into Bo-Katan antagonist show. But I was really impressed with how they've been dealing with her character so far. And I know, again, a lot of people agree that they're surprised that they aren't going the route that everyone thought they would take. And they aren't making bo the antagonist, but rather keeping Moff Gideon and the remnants of the Empire as the main antagonist. But yeah. I mean, at least she is not fighting everybody. <laughs> and I mean, it also subverts the the galaxy-wide ec- bleh, expectation, god, of like Mandos are always fighting each other. So that also doesn't play into that. But yeah, I'm just impressed with how they've been treating her and actually all the, the female characters this season. Mm-hmm. They have their evil girl boss in Elia. I'll say that. Yeah. Which is slay. So slay. Her and Moff (laughs) Gideon, slay. Their combined slay is unheard of. Astronomical. Astronomical. So true. (laughs) I mean, any final thoughts on this episode?
1: (sighs) Okay, I just feel like we...
0: Say it, say it, say it.
1: Say it. I feel like... (laughs) I feel like we kind of all agree on this. I want to make it clear that we don't really love the cult discourse. No. Oh,
2: God. Uh,
1: I think what happened was, to me, bo called it a cult because she was insulting Din, and she yeah. has a particular view. But I think, in my opinion, it is clear through this season that her opinions are changing and that she might not have even really felt that way in the first place, but rather just once again, using it as an insult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I understand where people are coming from. Cause I think like, yeah, like I completely understand how some of the practices and things can trigger real life, religious trauma but on the other end, like our friend Fern talked about, you can also see how this is a reflection of real world, uh, of some some practices that people actually do, of people who uh, practice those religions. So I think some people who are going so hard on it, it's starting to make me uncomfortable. Yeah. So like, guys, like some of this is like, Kind of a real, especially like orthodox religions. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like and um, oh, who, I'm blanking. Uh, another friend of ours uh, did a re- a great thread about like w- a breakdown of like what more past just like googling cult and like yeah. the definition. Like a really great like breakdown thread about it. I believe her um, name is like, Natasha. Natasha. Yeah. Yeah.
0: At N M Nap. On Twitter. They have a yeah. really good thread about it that breaks down a lot of the things.
1: Yes. Um. So yeah. I don't know. I just I we've been I having, think we need like, to be careful.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because like something else about this is that, like, look, religious trauma is real and your trauma is valid. I just feel like we're using the guise of christian religious trauma and applying it to all religions so like Mm -hmm. if you have an opinion because of your past experiences with the with you know with the christian church those opinions that you have about like you know atheism and agnosticism i feel like some opinions that are like really really extreme that you say apply to all religion only really apply to Christianity. And I feel like people need to be careful when making those generalized accusations because mm-hmm. like in some interpretations, wearing a helmet could be like interpreted as, you know, as women, uh, you know, practicing modesty in, in the context of Islam. and And married women in Jewish Orthodoxy Wearing head coverings when they're married, so I just feel like we need to be a little bit more careful with how we
1: deal with religious cult discourse. I can't yes. believe I'm saying this, but especially we just especially because we don't know the full con, we don't know everything about the yeah. children at the watch yet. Also, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this: Din has never expressed feeling trapped or unhappy with the children yeah he could have left and he didn't he could yeah, seek their redemption he mm-hmm. didn't has multiple other options of support outside of the children he has Cobb he has Keith, he has Bo uh not Bo uh Boba <laughs> he has <laughs> Peli uh three of those people on Tatooine so he could just go to Tatooine yeah. um but like he has like other options of what he could be doing before all of this he was just like being a bounty hunter like yeah. the armor. like they were just like okay <laughs> like letting him do that but there's like and, and then he wants to raise his child in this and mind you <laughs> he tried to return Grogu first yeah he did not force Grogu into this he said okay it was his choice that. and Grogu came back and now is like okay if you're here like you're a foundling then and I want mm-hmm. to raise you in this because that's how I was raised which yeah is fine and if Grogu grows up and doesn't want to do it anymore he can just take his take helmet off. off and leave
0: <laughs> I yeah I just feel like we need to be very cognizant of how we talk about the children of the watch Because going back to one of our besties, Fern, she said that some of the practices are very reminiscent of Jewish Orthodox practices and Judaism in general. So again, I understand your religious trauma is valid, but just applying a blanket statement to all religions when most of the time they're directed at certain branches of Christianity, we just need to be cognizant of how we talk about it. And
1: the text uh, John, I've seen. <laughs> John Favreau, his mother was also Jewish. Yeah.
0: So that's so that's also something also we need to take into account, people.
1: <laughs> important to remember like the writer's own background. Uh, yeah. Oh my
0: god, my blood pressure is. He up. literally <laughs> went to he
1: went to Hebrews Hebrew, Hebrew school. But he dropped oh. out to pursue acting. <laughs> so so true of him. He did have a bar mitzvah. This, so- I'm- <laughs> Good for him.
0: <laughs> but yeah, especially with the context or like the conversations I've seen on the timeline. We just need to be a little more careful of how we talk about things like this.
1: And a, lot if, of, and a lot of the discourse, it feels like it boils down to people being like all religion bad, which like, yeah, we really need to g- get beyond that. Yeah. If people aren't actively using their religion to hurt others. Just let them just let them believe what exactly. They want. It's not hurting you.
0: Exactly. And again, your religious trauma is valid. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of people who find personal fulfillment and religion if Mm -hmm. if you I don't want to make a blanket statement here but if you are atheist and you are actively trying to get people to you know
1: become an atheist as well
0: become an atheist and not set aside but I'm, I'm thinking of the word and it's not coming into my head but if you are actively like basically fighting with people and forcing them to trying to get them to convert yeah, trying to get them to convert from athe convert to atheism from whatever religion they are. That you need to do some inward looking, okay?
1: Because how is th- how is that any different from, I don't know, like the Crusades when they, okay, not violently, but like you know <laughs> what I mean, like from yeah. religious people trying to get atheists to join their religion. Like it's it's yeah. the same it's the same mm-hmm. thing. So again, if
0: you find personal fulfillment, that is completely okay and not to say, like, good for you in, like, the bad sense, but, like, I'm happy for you that you find personal fulfillment that way. But if you are someone who does not find personal fulfillment that way, you need to mind your fucking business. Mm -hmm. Sorry. As long as the religion is not actively using the context of religion to spread hate and to actively oppress people, there's really no problem with it. I just... We just need to do a little more inward looking, I think. And I think we need to research before we say terms on the internet. Just like, kind of like what happened with the New Republic being basically the Empire 2.0. We need to do a little more research and, you know, critical thinking when it comes to The context of Orthodox
1: religions in Star Wars. (laughs) It's also, it feels very reminiscent of the Jedi discourse. Oh my God. The Jedi are a cult. Jedi are a cult. They steal children. They've written, like, (gasps) it's the same kind of thing. (laughs) I feel (laughs) dizzy. And it's not really what the Jedi do. Yeah. Um, It's not really what the Tilda of the Watch seem to be doing. Because once so, like again, we, and, and to be fair, business. Yeah, exactly. and to be fair, maybe we'll find out that Armor is actually this evil, horrible person. We don't know yet. That's the thing. We don't but know. But we also don't know. Like, a lot of things is like, we truly just don't. Some of this, like, you don't have enough information to be making the assumption. Exactly. Easier. Like, with the information <sighs> we have been presented, some of the takes seem very extreme.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And again, making blanket statements that are usually geared towards Christianity and applying them to all religions is, I don't want to say not a slay, it's just not something that you should say. And I think being, again, cognizant of it and understanding of other people's, you know, interpretations and perceptions is important. Again, especially in the context of the, of the world today (sighs) anyway (laughs) any final thoughts (laughs) all right swag so our thumb rating system how would you rate episode three of the convert I give it two thumbs up I give both these ups
1: uh, like yeah
0: one and a half Okay. One and a half. Actually, I'm going to change my answer to one and a half. Yeah. So hold on. Let me do math. Three, four and a half thumbs up for episode three and four and a half thumbs up for episode four. Yeah. All right. So wait, were you going to say something, Emily? No. Oh, okay. So now we can move on to Castle Run Book Club. I'm going to be frank with you all. I have not read the comics in the past two weeks. (laughs) Me too. Oh my God. (laughs) I have not been to the comic book store in quite a while. So, I mean, I guess we don't have comics to talk about.
1: (laughs) It was the ones that came out were High Republic Adventures 3 and Darth Vader 32, which we had pretty much given up on Darth Vader on this podcast anyways. And so apparently the Sabe
0: arc isn't over.
1: There's still more oh after this. That's devastating for you. <laughs> Free Sabe. Just let her go. At this See, point, just kill her maidens. off. Just kill her off. My I would God. prefer that to stringing out her story and making her something yeah. that doesn't make sense. Like
0: why, why, why in the world would she ever consider working with Darth Vader? I don't get it. But he literally massacred the rest of the Amidalans in the first arc, like I, I don't know. I feel like Greg Pak s- saw the reception that he got to the first two arcs of Vader and just decided to fucking run with it. Pump, pump the brakes, <laughs> pump the brakes, Greg. <laughs> Please, we're all begging you. <laughs> um, and then Higher Public Adventures three, I'm sure it's a sleigh. I just simply have not gotten to the comfortable store to read it. (laughs) In terms of literacy, Emily,
2: how has your literacy been faring?
1: Oh, I was like, what? (laughs) Beats me. Uh, uh, I finished the third book in uh, that Kirsten White series uh, about Lad the impair paler but gender bent bright we bright, I liked it. It was like my first, well, not my first, but my first non reread five out of five stars of the year. Uh, wow. I really enjoyed it. It was a different ending than I was expecting, um, but good. Uh, it was probably also pretty close to history, but I didn't read all the way on that because I <laughs> didn't want to get spoiled. <laughs> um. And uh, I'm currently reading a historical romance book called Slay. Reputation. Uh, that is like the back of it said <laughs> said it's like Leabag and Bridgerton. Slay. Uh, it's pretty good so far. So good. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Liv, how is your literacy? I'm guessing at a zero. I don't know why you keep asking me. <laughs>
1: I just want to know if there's a change. No. Okay. <laughs> there's not.
0: <sighs> well, I have been surprisingly surprisingly literate in the past couple weeks. Um, I think since we've convened, I finished Aftermath. I think I sat down and read like 250 pages in one sitting. And then I read the last 50 pages in the next day. Uh, Sticky tabbed everywhere because I love Snap, Wedge, and Nora. Uh, In terms of comic literacy, I did a sort of Bounty Hunters reread a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if I mentioned that or not. But I got to issue 24, which is about the start of the arc that brings them into Bestine where 30 and 31 are. And kind of 32. But... I finally finished Classic Star Wars. So a little bit about Classic Star Wars is that it's a reprint of comic strips from the LA Times. I think it's either the LA Times or one of the publications in LA. They're reprints and like restructurings of comic strips in the LA Times from like the early 70s, late 80s. So the format, I finished it last night. The format is not my favorite because the issue ranges, like the issue page ranges, ranged from like 21 issues to the finale was fucking 49 issues. Or not 49 issues, 49 pages long. Listen, the 50th issue special of Star Wars 1977, like the flag marked Star Wars title for Marvel Comics, was 42 pages long. I just think they could have structured it better and broken up the arcs better because they spent, like, a full issue and a half on an arc and then, like, resolves the last arc in, like, the first three pages of the next issue. It just, it wasn't flowing and it, like, didn't do anything for the characters, you know? It was also set in the time between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, like Star Wars 1977. And I think they were coming out around the same time so you can kind of compartmentalize and like place things everywhere. But it was just not a sleigh. To be quite honest, the only reason why I kept reading was because the art is by Al Williamson, who did the, um, who did the Empire Strikes Back adaptation, the Return of the Jedi adaptation, and then a couple like single issues for 1977. And I really liked his art. Like that's the only, like really the only reason I kept reading it because it was just not giving. Also. In classic Star Wars General Dodonna com- like blows himself up on Yavin and we know he's in I'm pretty sure he's in I can't remember if he's in Return of the Jedi or not but like he is there. So I don't know. Um I think I'm going to start reading Most Wanted because I watched so- Solo last night again and it drove me crazy. <laughs> but you also need to research for a certain panel i do i do need to research for a certain (laughs) panel speaking of that um if you guys are going to celebration Liv and i are going to be on two panels both related to books and comics so the first one is going to be called from from staples to to stitches and it's going to be a a panel about creating a cosplay from the context of the books and comics which are very very different and it's hard to interpret you know both concept art and comics into real life so we'll be discussing a little bit about that and we'll we'll be giving some of our experiences especially with like um we have three people on the four people on the panel who are really really big high republic fans and they're going to talk about a little they're going to talk a little bit about how they decided to translate the um You know what they got from concept art and comics and stuff into like standard jedi temple robes jedi adventure robes stuff like that and then liv and i will also be on the panel and we're going to talk a little bit about translating stuff from specifically the comics because as we all know i have created my balance cosplay that i created this year and i'm also bringing a celebration this year and liv has done Two Kira's, two no, Kira's specifically from the comics. It's War. They're both from War, the Bounty Hunters. But the second cosplay that she's made is I don't I don't think anybody has ever cosplayed that. So as far as I know, no. yeah, <laughs> no
1: one has. So true. Also, because, last year when way. I did my other Kira, no one had made it with the cape before, and I was the first to do that. So so I will true. Always, I will always brag about that. But as you, know. you should. <laughs>
0: But yeah, that's our first panel who are going and our other panelists are going to be our friends, Leah, Georgia, Isabella, and Caitlin, and Caitlin, and they were all really good friends. And we're excited to talk with you about costuming. And then our second panel, the only our baby, our baby, our (laughs) brainchild, the only solo related programming at Celebration. So if you're a solo fan, you're legally required to be there. Our panel is going to be called Celebrating the Legacy of Solo A Star Wars Story, and it's essentially a celebration panel, kind of like the Attack of the Clones panel, except we don't have Alden Ehrenreich and Eunice and Amelia and Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller Bridge. It is is six people who love the movie a lot. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, we're going to talk a little bit about why we love the movie and then go through each main character of the movie and say like what we think about them in the movie, how it maybe changed our perceptions of certain characters like in the past and how the the events of that movie play into the original trilogy in both comics, movies, and everything like that. And we're also going to talk about what we want to see in the future from the solo verse, if you will. Books, comics, movies, things like that. Um... It is the only thing happening at 3 p.m. on Saturday on the fan stage that holds 600 people. I
1: was... That's that, very scary.
0: That's very scary.
1: I have um, to get over my fear of public speaking real quick. <laughs> oh, God.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that's happening at 3 p.m. on Saturday. So just to reiterate, the cosplay panel from from Staples to Stitches is happening...
1: Friday, April 7th Friday? at 5 o'clock.
0: Yes. So that's going to be Friday on the 7th of April from 5 to 6 p.m. on the university stage. We're on two different stages. So the first panel from Staples and Stitches is 5 to 6 on the university stage on Friday. And then our solo panel celebrating the legacy of Solo with Star Wars Story is going to be from 3 to 4 p.m. on the fan stage on Saturday the 8th
1: that's the again only the thing that's happening <laughs> uh nothing the else. only thing no nope. absolutely nothing else is happening the entire the convention con, is being shut down so everyone so can attend exactly solo so
0: true um <laughs> i mean and and if you see me or Liv walking around we will be handing out our stickers, Stickers. which I'm so happy about. And I'm so glad that I get to give these out to people. Um, We have three or four different designs. We have our, um, just like a general picture of our logo that we use for all of our social medias and stuff. We have one that says, illiteracy prevails because we all know on this podcast, no one can read. Except for Um, Emily. Except for Emily.
1: Who will not be in attendance, so I <laughs> checked <out. laughs> So
0: <laughs> And then we have another design that says, he actually drowned. One of our famous sayings here on this podcast. And then we have sort of an interactive activity-related one, where if you remember, the Zuckus versus Merrick glupshed poll that happened over the summer. It, it was a bloodbath. It was Castle Run Relay Civil War in this pot, in this, in the group chat, on our Twitter account, everything. So we have interactive stickers that if you come up to us and tell us which team you, or which character you voted for, you will either get a button, or not a button, a pin, not a pin, fuck, a sticker that says, I voted Zuckus in the Glupshadow poll, or I voted Merrick in the Glupshadow poll. And again, I'm very excited to give these out because they are my brainchild and I'm very happy that I was able to do them.
1: Yes.
0: Um. Yeah, I think.
1: And Ella is also handing out yeah. He Drowned uh, yes. stickers. So you'll have multiple
0: <laughs> He Ella Drowned merch.
1: Has many beautiful stickers. <laughs> oh, they're all that so she's good. <laughs> they're so the, the good. little chibi DJ yeah. one is my favorite, I think. <laughs> It's so good.
0: And more Twitter lore drop. There's also one that says Ezra Bridger wife
1: names a bean Wren. Yep. If you know, you know. And I think uh, Tavi is handing out yes stickers that slay, say
0: "Nevertheless, slay, slay." That are comically tiny.
1: <laughs> which are comically tiny, and I do want everyone to remember that that was in my tweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> under under. The very infamous modeling the Star Wars blanket. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> will there be a Star Wars blanket this year? We don't know yet. But we will be on the lookout. I can tell hopefully, you. For hopefully, sure. we will l- learn tomorrow. That's my oh, guess yes. for when the March is yeah. going to be revealed. <laughs> I also want to see what Amber stuff they have. They have pins so far. So.
0: And they're all but ugly. But anyway, except no. for the Lando one. The Lando one is cute. The Ander ones are good. Okay, true. I like the B2 the, one. The it B2 is simply the, the baby movie. Ahsoka.
1: Jump scare? Yeah, you said they're <laughs> ugly. It's just Ahsoka. That's, and it's not even ugly. It's scary. It's <laughs> terrifying. Oh, God. Why is she, like, white? She's goddamn white pale. baby. Is that? I, <sighs> Anyways. <laughs>
0: uh yeah catch us walking around uh the excel center from april 7th through 10th um we're all very excited to meet you all and give you stickers i love stickers so you can be sure to follow our ramblings as well as our status at celebration on our social medias those will be linked in the description um thank you all so much for listening oh also please don't hesitate to email our inbox. We do love our listener questions and we will spend an ungodly amount of time dedicating time to your question. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening and may the force be with you.